Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome back to Believe in Softball. I'm your host, Jennifer Becerra, and I have no idea how we're already at the end of June and that the first half of 2023 is in the books. I feel like it flies by every year, but a little bit extra this year, and we still got some more summer softball. So however you got here today, whether it was an audio podcast platform like Apple, Spotify, et cetera, or watching on YouTube, thank you. Subscribe and rate if you haven't yet. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Believe in Softball. That's B-L-E-A-V. Or click the link in our bio or on either page as well to go to shop.believe.com to purchase merch. Three shirts for you, covering our bases, safer out, and catch you soon. All right, let's go through today's batting order. First, we'll be covering our bases. I'll give you some news and call-outs from around the softball world. Then we'll head into today's interview with Megan Faremo. Megan Tron, she's here, enough said. And I covered her at UCLA, and I'm excited to cover her now in her professional career. And then we'll end things with the foul tip of the week where we share tips to help us get better. All right, let's get started. Covering our bases. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use promo code BELIEVE for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. Today, first, we are going to be starting with AUX. So the champions have been crowned. Rachel Garcia coming in that number one spot. Aubrey Leach, number two. Mia Davidson, number three. And then, yes, the defensive MVP, Jesse Warren. A little bit of a weird ending just because the final two games were canceled because of poor air quality in the Chicago area from the Canadian wildfires. So that was a little strange, but the leaderboard points and stats from game 16 did not count towards the final point totals, just to make sure that the number of games played with all the players was even. But despite that that technicality, I think a few things that stood out to me were this. Two-way players, as we already knew, have a lot of opportunities to score points. You'll look at someone like Rachel Garcia. She loves being that face of that pitcher who rakes. And she even said it herself, you know, I want to be an inspiration to the younger generation and let them know they can be a pitcher who is also able to hit. She talked about that when she came on our show as well. And I think you just have more opportunities to score points on both sides of the ball. I mean, you could also lose points in some ways too, right? But I think when you have more options, it usually is a good thing. Then with Jesse Warren being the defensive MVP, she was one, I mean, we're used to seeing her in the College World Series, right? Like diving catches and all sorts of things. And she just made play after play after play in this AUX season. And she was voted on by the league's players and facilitators But what I liked about what she said is, you know, she didn't play ball last year. So she came back to the game this year and she said, I just felt free this season and came out here trying to have fun and enjoy the people that I was around. And I think when you do that, that's often when you become a little bit more successful. So the other option, too, is to just plain deliver when you want to score points. Honestly, that was Aubrey Leach this entire season. She was top five in almost every statistical category on the offensive side. And I think the more you deliver, just the more likely you're put into position to be successful, like winning the inning and getting those sorts of points as well. So she was a captain throughout the experience and it really turned out really well for her. Glad to see her getting her flowers. And then I think Mia Davidson's a good example of the fact that there are different ways to get points, not just if you're a pitcher who hits like Rachel Garcia, but even within offense, you know, she led the league in home runs, but she also led the league in hit by pitch. And you get points for both of those things, for getting on base. So Davidson was a good example of that working out well for someone. And then outside of the winners, a couple other things that that shine to me. I really want to call out Taylor Edwards hitting. You know, last week, Gwen Svekas talked about how she's a little bit more quiet and steady. That's her style as a player. But her bat was loud. She had three home runs, 400 on base percentage, 621 slugging. And I like to see the ones personally who maybe aren't as vocal or extroverted get the attention that they deserve. So I liked seeing that for her in AUX. And then I also want to call out Courtney Gano's retirement. 
You know, she dedicated this season to her late dad. Her son is named Greg after him. And it's it's a beautiful detailed story. But the highlights are that, you know, she's played three seasons with AU while raising her son. He's known to be around a lot. You know, there's video of him blowing kisses to his mom from the stands, all the players holding him like he has 60 new aunts from this AU experience. And she actually, she lost her dad last fall to cancer. And he had seen throughout that year, you know, her walk-off Grand Slam in AUX, the AU Champion Series season. And also she got to see her on staff a little bit at UW in the fall. And I was a little bit crushed for her that she she had her last game canceled, you know, because of the air quality and all that. But I can't help but love just how sports bring together different generations like this. Also, the amount of support that she had from other athletes was so cool. People she played with in the Chicago Bandits, like Gwen Speck is actually making her signs. People just really supporting her as she kind of moves into this new phase of life. And I think softball's good at that. I think women's sports are good at that. And it was it was really nice to see. And her dad was also a longtime football coach. Now she is a coach. So that brings me to UW's staff. So Courtney Gaynor promoted from director of player development to assistant coach. That gave the opportunity for Sis Bates to become the new director of player development. Victoria Hayward also making the move back to Seattle as an assistant coach. And then just announced too, Sammy Reynolds is going to be a student manager. That all obviously it still includes the head coach, Heather Tarr. And then yes, Lance Glasso as well, who's been on staff for well over a decade. But how cool is it that so many Huskies are there? I just think from my experience, it's a good sign for the future of softball to have our own in those leadership positions. And speaking of that, second, I wanted to bring up uh, my latest article that I wrote. It had to do with some of our own being out there and representing for us. You know, I was asked to write about my thoughts on the 2023 season for Stanford softball and took me a little time because there are so many layers to it. So it was hard for me to just boil it down. But, you know, I, I basically break down how the coaches who are also alums, you know, they're one of us, Jessica Allister, Tori Nyberg from Stanford, but even Jessica Merchant, just as a collegiate player and someone who played this game. They're really one of us. The players, especially the fifth years who were leaders and started when the program was at its its bottom, really, and brought us all the way to this point to the Women's College World Series this season. And then also the fans and the parents, you know, they just bought in and they had this next level energy And I think all of these things really brought things together nicely this season, but it was built over time. So if you want to check out the article, it's titled Stanford Softball is Back, but they're just getting started. And it's on SI.com. I was able to share some of this when I recapped my OKC experience in the part two episode with Karen Johns right after the Women's College World Series. But this takes a deeper look into what it means sort of for the past, the present and the future. So thank you to Fan Nation and Sports Illustrated for letting me put my thoughts together. And also really cool moment for me, side note, I opened my Google app on my cell phone and I get distracted a lot by the articles (laughs) that are listed below, you know, the search bar. And the first one that popped up the day after this article came out was the article itself. So that was the first time I've ever seen myself in the Google app like that. So that was fun. It was a fun experience, but definitely recommend reading it because the story of that program is really, really special. Third, international softball. So I've mentioned briefly, but I really want to break this down because it's coming up quick. So the WBSC World Cup Group A is starting July 11th through the 15th in Dublin, Ireland. So speaking of Heather Tarr, she's the head coach of Team USA and actually friend of the show, Cindy Ball Malone, who was actually a former player under her at Pacific, will be on staff again. They're reunited once more. And some of our most recent guests, like Megan Framo and Gwen Svekis, are on the roster for that one. And I think it's an interesting uh, balance in terms of the roster because you have a lot of experience, like Ali Aguilar, Ali Carta, Hannah Flippin, who's been on the show, Savannah Jaquish, Aubrey Leach, who just had an outstanding showing in AUX. And then there's some iconic names, too, that have grown out of the college game recently, like Jocelyn Allo. Sis Bates, you know, that's, I feel like Aloe is synonymous with home runs. Sis Bates synonymous with defense. But then you have Maya Brady too, and Montana Fouts and Kiki Malloy. And I think it's going to be a really nice showcase of really what we saw in the Women's College World Series and just throughout the college season come to fruition on the international stage. Fun fact too, Kelly Maxwell from Oklahoma State is the only left-handed pitcher on both rosters. 
And by both, I mean because there's another roster for the Japan All-Star Series. That is August 4th through 7th in Fukushima, Japan. And my old coach, John Rittman, head coach at Clemson, is going to be the head coach for that one. He's spent a lot of time on the USA staff throughout his career. And also a fun fact, speaking of UOP, Pacific, Brian Colsey, the head coach, will also be on staff there. They're very good friends. So it's another reunion in that sense. And then actually Stanford's Nigeria Kennedy and Elena Vodder, who just finished her fourth year at Stanford, uh, they're on the roster. So it's also a moment for the Stanford program where some of the talent is getting that that USA national recognition too, but also some great young pitchers. In addition to that, you know, Ruby Malin from UW and Valerie Cagle from Clemson also on that roster. So a lot of young talent. You even throw in Megan Grant and Jordan Woolery from UCLA who just finished their freshman year. So that's, that's going to be an interesting one to watch too, to see how that talent develops in this, this different arena for softball. And then to bring it home, yes, there's more summer ball. I mean, the WPF continues, you know, the last game of the regular season is scheduled for August 7th. So the playoffs and the championship series are still TBA, but there's lots of softball until then. So keep tuning in reminder to watch. You can do it on dugout pass. There's live access to games, archived highlights from 2022 in the exhibition year and the 2023 draft wprofastbridge.com, or there's a link in their social media profile bios as well. And then, yes, the AU Championship Series. So the first draft is Monday, July 24th. The first game is Friday, July 28th. And then the last game is currently scheduled for August 27th. So again, ESPN platforms, you can find it all there. And this time around, there will be four teams, like we're used to, five weeks for the full championship season versus the three teams in three weeks in the abbreviated AUX. So lots of fun stuff coming up. And someone who is gracing our screens in 2023 in college ball with UCLA, international with USA, and pro ball with AU is today's guest. So let's head into the interview. She is an Athletes Unlimited rookie, Team USA pitcher, UCLA All-American, two-time Pac-12 Pitcher of the Year, and 2019 National Champion, Megan Faremo. Megan, we made it. We're doing it. We're here. (laughs) Excited. Yes, I'm, I'm really excited to have you. Um, it's been really cool watching your career in college. And then now here you are as a pro. It's Is that wild? Like, how does it feel to be a professional now? It feels strange. It's a very new chapter in my life. Um, I think the last time I've had a transition like this was coming from high school into college. Um, I think I'm just really lucky that Athletes Unlimited is such a welcoming space and that the players here have um, just really gave gave their best effort to make me feel a part of the squad. So it's been really cool. That's really good to hear. I feel like Athletes Unlimited is just such a community, at least from all of the AU people I've ever talked to. It just everyone says how it's just like a really fun time as well as like obviously good softball. Yeah. Yeah, no, it is super fun. And I really appreciate all the things that they're doing off of the field. Um, we have a lot of like bonding events to try to get uh, to know each other better. And then I really like what they're doing with um, the causes thing and basically like choosing a cause and then matching money for that. I think that's amazing. Really cool. It is. That's one of my favorite parts too, just in covering AU. It's such a cool way for you all to like, I don't know, do have an impact off the field too. I think it's a really special thing about AU. Yeah, yeah. But you were drafted to Athletes Unlimited and the WPF, which is a pretty pretty cool problem to have, right? Like, oh, wow, I have all these options. But how did you figure out, like, okay, you know what? I think I'm going to move forward with Athletes Unlimited. Yeah, it was definitely a process and something that it was. It was such an honor to hear um, the WPF drafted me and I think their draft happened first and then when Athletes Unlimited came around I was like oh my gosh like and AU like this is crazy um I had to have conversations with like old coaches past teammates like obviously my parents um and it was a lot to work through they're both really great but I just felt like I knew a lot of people at AU and I felt like their culture really aligned with my values and I was excited to kind of be a part of that um So yeah, it's definitely a good problem to have, but that was a tough decision to make for sure. Yeah. It seems like there's been just a lot of brewing on brewing crime too, in terms of like you pitching against some of your old teammates and like people that you know, 
is that um is that fun it's fun but honestly when i'm pitching i'm not really thinking of the bruin on bruin because it's like every single hitter is so good that i have to just be locked in on my catcher um but it is i think it's really cool to see how ucla has impacted the sport of softball um specifically and so it's cool to just be back with my Bruin sisters. And um, I was talking to Lainey about this, especially her, like having that pitcher-catcher connection, um, bringing it to AU has been really cool. Yeah. I can only imagine. That seems like one of the most fun things. Obviously, you're all professionals, but like you all have that, you know, in your blood too, like as your background, so you can't help it. <laughs> but also, have you, has it really hit you? Because to me, like looking at your career is, is really cool for a lot of reasons, but one of them is you've been a part of so many different, like historically significant organizations, like iconic ones, whether it's Team USA, UCLA, the Corona Angels, even in travel ball, like back in those days, like has that really hit you that you've been a part of so many of those things? Well, I've never thought of that. Um, It always just kind of felt like the next phase in my life. And I think I've been really lucky to have people that support me and help me in being on those big stages. And with those, as you said, historical programs, um, I think with the Corona Angels, that helped a lot to sort of create a standard for me, a personal standard um, that was always really high. So coming into these historical programs, it's definitely not been easy, but it's something I'm excited to do because again, just the culture of where softball or how softball is played is it just, it only builds my standard. And I I love that about the sport and about being a part of great teams and great cultures. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I love the, the Tysons also. I've had Tori Tyson on here. Like she's actually, I think our most repeated guest that we've ever had on the show is Tori. (laughs) And so we talk about Marty. Um, and then I know that like your teammate who's also been on here, Rachel Garcia played for Marty and, I I just, I even played against Marty, like back in the day, you know, growing up in SoCal. So I think um, that's such a cool foundation. And then I feel like going to UCLA um, and still having those SoCal ties is also really, really fun. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I actually saw Marty from a distance. I didn't, I didn't uh, talk to him, but from a distance wearing like a shirt at the world series this year. And he had like all of his former players who were there on it. And I was like, that's so cool. Like, that's such a cool thing. Yeah. I don't know if we talk about like that enough, you know? Yeah, no, he does that every time, every year he goes, he'll find whatever players are there and put their numbers on his shirt. And for me, I remember growing up through the um, organization, that was something I was like, man, I really want Marty to wear, you know, like my name or I have my name on his shirt. Um, and I think that just really speaks to his character. He's there for his girls, like as, as women, and he loves us so much that he's going to support us even after we leave. And I think that's why you see a lot of current angels coming back. For sure. It's like I, you've picked places where there's definitely a bubble too, like the Corona angels, like group and community. And then obviously the Bruin bubble, like I can see that pattern now that we're talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it's really important to me. I think family is the biggest thing in my life and that's just how I was raised. So having that, feeling around me and like you said a bubble everywhere I go is really important I have heard you say that before and seen you post things like that like I think on your senior day this year I saw that you said it's been my mission to honor my last name make my family proud and represent my culture um and I think first of all you've done a great job of that not that you need my opinion but just to to validate you if it helps um, but I, <laughs> yeah so there you go but I also um I saw that you talk a lot about Valu and what that means to you, um, the number eight. For anyone listening, I don't know if they all know that story with you. So would you kind of give some background on it? Sure, yeah, I'd love to. So Valu is the number eight in someone, as you said, and that's my family number. Um, and it's just, like I said, family is a huge part of my life. And growing up, we were always constantly being told stories, uh, especially on my dad's side about him with his brothers and all of his cousins and growing up playing and whatever. So he would tell me stories of my uncle Sal who played football at uh, Colorado. And I just remember hearing like, especially coming out of Oceanside, my hometown, 
um, how great he was as an athlete, but then hearing the stories from my dad about how great he was as sort of like a leader in our family for my dad and like an older brother. And when he got to his team, how he inspired people, that's what made me feel like wearing number eight would be such an honor. And um, again, I trying to, trying my best to represent my culture, but specifically my last name, because I know how much my dad's parents went through to get here to America and to create this opportunity, not just for my dad and his siblings, but for future generations like me. Um, and I just, I respect that so much. And it's something even as a little girl that I've always felt very connected to. And um, I just think there's power in that. So I do try to do my best to represent, but, Valu as a brand now, because I do have my own um, brand, is talking about, I, I made it very simple, or I tried to, the, the acronym, just breaking it down, V for vol, uh, values, because my mom always talks about this, like, she, she always tried to give me my roots in what she taught me, her, my, my parents taught me, my family taught me, but also give me wings to go out and be my own person in the world and try to do good. So always holding my values with me is really important. Um, the A, B, A is for authenticity. I'm very much, I will be my own person. I do get a little scared, especially around new people to, to sort of, you know, be myself like all the time I do tend to be more shy but as long as I'm being authentic in my intentions and always trying to do the right thing I think that's something that's always been really important to me um, and it's kind of hard because obviously I don't talk to everyone in the world but with things like social media I try very hard and I do things intentionally so that people know I'm trying my best to be authentic um, and I think that's an important message for the little girls that follow me too um, the next letter would be L and that is love always approaching life with love and being a light in the world. That's another thing that my parents have taught me. Um, and specifically my mom, we always talk about it all the time. Just, she says like, you're Aloha, like you want to be loved for people, um, and positive vibes always. And then the last letter would be you. And that's just embracing your uniqueness. I believe that everyone was wonderfully made and growing up as one, someone who's always been a little bit taller, a little bit bigger, and sometimes being like the only brown person in the room, you have to embrace how unique you are and be willing to share that with the world. So it's sort of a message and a brand that I really try to lean into and share with all you guys. So sorry, that was so long winded, but I love no. talking about it. No, I mean, that's why I asked you because I wanted everyone myself too but everyone to hear it from you you know it's like i have seen some of the things that you've written up and your brand and the website and things but like hearing it from you i think makes such a difference from just reading it you know and i think that's really special that that is the path that you've taken and it makes sense when you're talking about um your different values and how they align with au and the causes and all of those things um you know it's it's about the person too not just the athlete oh thank you i appreciate that yeah yeah, of course. I mean, it has been, like I said, really fun covering you too. Cause I don't, I, I don't know. You guys don't always get to see us, but like on Pac-12 network, I am one of the people talking about you <laughs> or I have been <laughs> in the past. And, uh, you know, we've done some like post-game interviews and stuff. I know you guys feel like you're like talking to like the sky probably, but, um, <laughs> it's been, it's been really fun to watch your career and, um, even getting a chance to you, we talked about this before we hopped on, but like, talking with your coaches, having like Lisa on here and Kelly, I on here. And, um, we talked about you not to make it weird, but, um, <laughs> Lisa did bring up, you know, cause I asked her about like champ camps, which I have to ask you about too, because Rachel told me about them and I had to ask Lisa. Now I got to ask you about them. Like, what was your champ camp experience? Like I love champ camp. And I think, I think over the years, I think when it was first implemented, I might've been a freshman or something so it was kind of new to the whole staff and anything new you're gonna have just a little bit of eh, I don't know if I really like this but over the years um it's been something that's really cool to see is that we were looking forward to champ camps by the time um Taylor Tinsley's there now she was a freshman 
when I came in and she's asking, oh, okay, are we going to do champ camp today? And she's, she's has an absolute dog mentality. So it's been really fun getting to know her, but she would go out and kill it. And then we would go pitch a bullpen after. So to know that you can do a hard workout straight into a bullpen and coach Lisa's bullpens are no joke either. It gives you all the confidence in the world, stepping into the circle with the lights on you and a crowd there and the pressure moments. Um, it just kind of makes you feel like there's no way that anyone on this field has done the work that I have. And for us as a staff, I think that was really important and empowering. Well, and for it to be someone like Lisa, you're like, well, I mean, you're, you're pretty much the expert here. So I think we'll, we'll listen to you. She also said that she would like text you guys sometimes like, Hey, I already got my workout in today. Like, Oh yeah. 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 That's what I was going to say is not only is she Lisa Fernandez, but she's also doing the workouts with us. So it's kind of like, if you're not doing champ camp, what are you doing? My guy, like coach Lisa's right there. (laughs) She's killing it. So, and she told me what we, we were accountability buddies for a little bit. Um, Me and her would send like text back and forth, like when I would hop on a bike. So it's, it was really fun um, playing under her and playing for her really. And does that make a difference too? Like we're talking about the fact that it's Lisa. I mean, she's the GOAT, but also to to play for women who have literally walked this path before. Like there's Lisa, but there's Kelly too. And obviously they're Bruins um, and alums too. Does that make a difference? I don't know that I can say because obviously I haven't played for another coaching staff, but I will say that it's definitely a pro to being part of that team and playing for those kinds of coaches because they just get it. It's cool because you go through the grind and man, falls are so hard. Fall is fall and tournament season are probably the hardest and they understand that, but they also know that you can do way more than you think you can. So it's very, it's a very encouraging atmosphere, but like I was talking about the standards, the standards are really high because when Coach Lisa and Coach I were playing, it was excellence all around. And so having someone that knows how to push you but has been on the other side of the ball so they know how to also support you is really important. And I think it's a huge plus and a positive um, that all UCLA softball Bruins get. Definitely. I mean, you can feel it. Like I even know as someone who's not part of the Bruin bubble, that the Bruin bubble is special having played against it back in the day, but also just again, covering it and seeing what you all have done. It is, it is a very unique and there's a reason why the most national championships are in Westwood. Right. Yeah. So it's definitely been really cool getting to know the Bruin bubble and they, we have like kind of big sisters every year. So my freshman year, I believe it was um, Brianna Tapsalafua, but it was just really everyone on my team. And then not just the girls on my team, but all the alum that would come back. And I feel very comfortable just reaching out and texting if I ever needed anything or if I just wanted to check in. And I think that's really special. It is. It is. And I think you your acronym earlier, actually, I just thought of this. When I had Kelly I on, I love how you call her Coach Kelly and I'm like calling her Kelly I, but um, <laughs> it makes sense, the dynamics. But when I had her on, she talked about the acronym Bruins and what each letter means throughout the entire year. Um, and when you were giving the acronym for what each letter means in VALU, that's, I was like, oh, makes sense. Same approach, you know, to like how you guys think of things, which is, it's cool to see. Yeah, it's cool to see, but it's, it's so funny, especially being here with Brooke. Brooke is my roommate, so we talk all the time, but I'm sure Delaney and Rach would agree is that man it's hard especially as a fifth year sitting in the meetings and just kind of knowing what coach I is going to talk about because we have such a set system and I think that's it it's why it's successful but man the coach I uh quotes and everything in my in my fifth year I was like I know exactly what she's gonna say and now that I'm playing professionally so many of her little coach isms are in my head all the time when I'm playing, even when I'm off the field. So it's, it's something that I think is going to stay with us for a really long time. if not forever. It like, it haunts you, but in a good way, in a good way. But in the best way possible. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
But I feel like that's, that's like what it is. Anytime I talk to someone, you know, they're obviously like proud alums um, for wherever they went to. And I've talked to like UW alums before, like Victoria Hayward, for example, and she'll talk about like all the Heatherisms, like the coach Tarisms, you know, that they learned. And that's like, I don't know that that's a, I think a sign of impact too, from Kelly, just to the fact that like, yeah, that is sticking in your mind and you do continue and take that on as you go. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. No, it's hilarious. I find myself like teaching my little brother the same lessons that coach I have. I'm like, wow, literally what am I doing right now? (laughs) (laughs) I honestly, okay. My nephew's eight, eight and he loves baseball and he started to play. He's so young, but I'll even say some of the same stuff from college. And I'm like, oh my gosh, it's like a brainwashing, (laughs) but like a positive one, you know, I don't know. It's so funny. That is so funny. But being able to play with and against everyone while you're at AU, like that is a, a little bit new for you. Like, obviously, you know, you're on USA and you're playing with some folks that you played against in college, of course. But this changing every week is definitely a new experience, right? So, like, how has that aspect been? I, honestly, the hardest thing has been cheering for the right people because <laughs> I, I know everyone here at this point. I know all of their names and, like, if – my team is hitting and somebody throws a really good pitch. I have to like stop myself um, because I just, it's weird. I have very much a competitive mindset and it's easy to do when you're, you've been at the same program for five years with the same people. And you could just pretend you don't know anyone in the dugout or you really just don't know anyone in the other dugout. And it's just us versus them. But now it's like, man, I really want to see everybody do good. There's point system. Like this really matters. Um, so yeah, the changing teams has actually been really cool. Uh, I walked into this thinking from the jump that I just want to learn as much as I can. And I've been so lucky that nobody here gatekeeps every, every single question I've asked has been answered. Um, so it's actually, I really like the switching teams. Um, and it also helps that I don't have to see the same exact lineup so many times that has been great. Um, but yeah, honestly, the hardest thing is just kind of like, you're on a team for one series. So building that chemistry fast and then it sucks by the end. You have to like let go of that lineup and the new one starts. So it's been, it's been something to get used to for sure. Yeah. Well, and you went like straight into it. That's the thing about AUX, like the championship series, you know, is later this summer, but AUX being literally right after the college season, you're just going straight yeah. from like that environment into this and not just you, but all the other rookies as well. So that seems like, you know, it's a quick turnaround. Yeah, no, it's a very fast turnaround. And all the vets are saying that we have kind of like an upper hand because we're coming straight out of college. But I'm like, I don't know if this feels like the upper hand. (laughs) (laughs) I think a lot of us are feeling it a little bit. But um, we are, I think as a rookie little squad are doing a really good job recovering and just sort of listening to everybody's advice about man, taking your health seriously when it comes to your body and being ready to go that next uh, series or that next game. So I've just been, yeah, I've been trying to take care of myself and kind of telling myself this is just like a tournament season, like like Mary Nutter, and then, you know, it's the next, it's up to the next. That's true. That's a good way of thinking about it. I feel like it at the the format of Athletes Unlimited, I mean, you tell me if this this is what you've experienced, but it almost like, really emphasizes the idea of like, okay, we have to shake that last thing off, whatever it was, good or bad, and then move on really quickly. And that also does help you overcome adversity though, at the same time, like that is how you do that. So it's kind of like makes you even better at that or like you're flexing that muscle, it seems like a lot. Yeah, I I agree with that. Um, I'll say failure recovery is something Coach I is really big on and something that I've always, I felt like had to work on. Um, here's just another opportunity to do that. Uh, I think either my, I think my second outing, I might've given up like four home runs. That was tough. That was so tough, but you have to recover from those kinds of things. Those kinds of things. I think in college, you kind of say you do that in a game, like you have this whole night. And then if it's after a series, you have a whole week and you're just like sitting on that feeling. Sometimes it could feel like, But here it's like you need to pick it up fast because even the off day to the draft to practice day, that's only three 
days. Like you have to um, learn that lesson very fast, which I think is cool. Um, but yeah, failure recovery is definitely something I've gotten to uh, learn here. It's so true though, because you can be the highest of highs. Cause like your first outing, you, it was like, excellent. You got MVP points, you know, you got all that stuff. And then like, yeah, the next one might be different. Right. And like, I mean, even it's just how it is. It's the nature of our game. And it's like, you, you've been a national champion before in college and maybe this last year, you know, didn't end the way that you would have liked obviously, but like then, yeah, you got to keep going and you're playing pro now, you know, and it's, it's such a huge part of it. And I'm, I'm always very impressed when people can do that. And I do feel like at the end of it, even though it feels like it's like this, maybe at the end of it, you can like look back and be like, wow, okay. Yeah. Look at all the, the things that we went through on this journey. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's, I mean, I'm not going to lie. It was a really, really tough transition. I think specifically because the way my season um, ended or season ended at UCLA but even then, like, all I think about are the good memories there. Um, and once it did end, I knew that, like, okay, it's really just I got to pick it up now because the next thing is going. Um, but I forget who I was talking. Maybe my mom I was telling, like, this is – but this is exactly why I love softball because it's, like, hey, that's the one constant that's going to be there. Like, there is this and this and this and this, but softball is always right here, and it's the same game every time no matter where I go. So – that's been um, that's been really cool to kind of experience, not not the like the losing effort to end my season, but I can see God's bigger picture in all of it. Right, because that's the hard part is like being able to take that step back because it hurts. You know, any any failure hurts, but we do it all the time, so we have to kind of like get used to that hurt in this game. Yeah. And it's it's so it's such an interesting like balance to try to strike. Yeah, yeah, definitely, I agree. Yeah. But then you're, you know, USA too. I mean, you're, you're a busy woman, but this year you're going to go from like college to pro. Yeah. I can never tell. Cause I'm just sitting here thinking yeah, I have to keep repeating my schedule to myself. And it's crazy because I look at all the other women here and they are doing some really cool things beyond just this. And this AU, especially um, AUX is very fast paced, a lot of stuff to get done and they're telling me like they're doing that, but they're also like running their business and this and that. And I'm like, wow, you're busy. And then I think about my schedule. I'm like, I don't know if I'm busy, if it just sounds like a lot, but it's, I don't know. I don't know. It's kind of a blessing to be busy at the same time. I don't think I would do well just kind of sitting and doing nothing, kicking rocks for a few months. Oh yeah. Like any competitor, I feel like, yeah, you can't, you can't sit still for, for too long for sure. Yeah. 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 But you're, you're set to go to the world cup, right? Like later or not too, like a few weeks ish. Yes. Yeah. Um, and Dublin, is that what we're talking about? Yes. Okay. 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 Yes. I'm so excited for that. Um, I've been to Dublin once with USA, but it was just like a two day trip, I think. So I'm really excited to go and uh, wear red, white, and blue again. I think that'll be awesome. I, if you've been once before, I don't know how old you were, but I did go to the Guinness um, storehouse when I went to Dublin, just like on a work trip before. And it, it was really cool. Even just the tour of everything was cool. I'm, I'm oh. like, I feel like I'm allowed to tell you that now that you've graduated too. You know, I'm like, I know you're old enough to graduated. <laughs> I can tell you to do that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that sounds really cool. Um, I remember last time I went, we got to hang out with their team a little bit. And they were telling us, yeah, go do stuff like that. Like go and see the town and all that. So yeah, it'd be fun. Well, actually I, I don't even like Guinness, which sorry for all the people who do, but at the top, you can see like all of Dublin, like even just the top of, at the end of the tour, like makes it worth it. Cause you can see everything 360. Oh, yeah. So like even just that alone is worth it. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. But you, you're not new to wearing USA. Um, like you're still doing it, but you've done it already throughout your career. So you like know what that feeling is like, but now that you are transitioned into like a little bit of a new start in the sense of you've gone from college to professional, like does, does being on the USA team feel any different? Um, I'm not sure. I, I feel like I've been affiliated with USA because I did the U19. I believe that was my first time. And I was like young. Yeah, that was after my first year in college. And then last year was my first time making, like, the big girl team. I think I started as a alternate, and then I was able to go on 
and actually like play play with them. Um, so that alone was a different experience. I think I always approach my summers the same way, especially with USA, because there's so many, like there's a concentrated amount of amazing athletes. And I always just think, okay, Meg, like go and learn literally everything you can. Um, I love to try to be a sponge and hear different perspectives. So I don't know that it really hits me that like I'm a pro um, versus when I was just in, in college. I think I just think about it as like, okay, who's on, who's on the team like this time? Like, who can I learn from? Who's going to be their type? Well, you're hitting on something interesting too. It's like, you have such a foundation, especially from, you know, Kelly, I, and like your UCLA experience, but you also are still trying to learn more. I think that's really important. Um, Cause like what you said before is, you know, yes, we have the same sort of system that's that tends to work, but you're also trying to learn and keep going. And I feel like being a student of the game as long as possible, that's what you have to do. So I feel like that's like a good call out as well. Yeah. I was going to say, girl, like, I don't think you could survive without continuing to learn even just in playing pro for what, like three weeks now. I was like, man, I'm really grateful for people like Thule has been, uh, Danielle O'Toole. She's been helping me literally every single day get better for my next series. And without that piece of learning and being willing to grow, there's just, I, I don't believe that there's a way that you can stay stuck on what you want to do and, and try to be successful. Um, I mean, I don't know. I think that applies to life too, but definitely oh, helpful. hundred percent. Yes. And actually Thule is a great example. She's been on the show a couple of times too, but just as somebody who is taking that knowledge and like constantly learning and, and, pulling it forward throughout her career. Like the fact that, I mean, she was AUX champ last year. So yeah, good person to get advice from. Right. <laughs> but you know, there's that, but also like she's, she's coaching as well now. Like she's on that side of things in college. And then like, here she is as a facilitator. Like that's a perfect example. I actually think of what we're talking about of like taking that, that knowledge forward. Yeah. Yeah. I think she was probably the first person that literally everyone told me to go talk to they're like, oh, go talk to Tuli. She's a genius. Like, I was like, okay, say less. She's yeah. going to get so annoyed. But- <laughs> well, I think if I remember right, I talked to her about, she has like notebooks and like takes really intense, like when she was playing too, not just as a coach. Obviously now, of course, she's going to have her clipboard and things, but she was always very detailed. Yes. I don't know that I'm on the level to ask to see her notebooks, but I am hoping by the end of this season, we will be. <laughs> You'll get there. You'll get there. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's really funny. That's really funny. Well, and like the international experience too. I mean, like a lot of these people that have been influential that we're talking about, like Lisa, obviously, I mean, Thule went to the Olympics, you know, with Team Mexico. And and I feel like that's um, every time I've talked to somebody about their international experience, there is that element of learning too and learning from how other cultures approach the game. Have you kind of experienced that as well? Yeah, I think I got a little taste of it when this past summer we had the Japan All-Star Series. Um, And, like, obviously you have to respect the way that Japan plays, but you can kind of see it in their approach to the game. Um, I just thought it was mesmerizing. But even the – I think – I don't know if it was a World Cup. It was some world something where we saw all these different teams from all different countries. And exactly like you said, there's different ways to play the sport that I think are worth seeing at least um and just it just makes you think a little bit more about your game and about softball as a whole um and I think that's definitely helped the way that I approach my pitching um the hitters are very different internationally very hard but their swings look a little funky sometimes but I think that's exactly what makes a lot of people really good is that there's me and coach Lisa will talk about it all the time. There is no ego in their swing. They will do whatever they can to put bat on the ball. And that's really hard to pitch against. That's a good way of putting it too. No ego. That's a mm-hmm. perfect way to describe it. Cause that is where it's coming from. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. See, I learned the, the amount that I learned from all of you when you guys come on the show too. And I ask all these questions, like I've learned so much. So like selfishly, <laughs> that's also why I love doing this. <laughs> It's fun. It's really fun. But I also have heard, like switching gears a little bit, that you have quite the record collection and you're really into to music. 
as well. Tell me more. Yes, I wouldn't call it quite the record collection. I am like a baby record collector, uh, mostly because I didn't really have the time nor the funds to really get into that. Um, But I do love like my great grandparents, my grandparents on both sides have been so nice in giving me a lot of their records. Um, My 16th birthday, my parents asked me what I wanted and I asked for a record player. Um, So now I finally get to like build my vinyl collection, which I don't know, I'm kind of making like a dream list of the things I want to find, but I'm also down to just kind of go and look for random stuff. Um, I just really, really have always enjoyed music. My family's a very big music family um and just something about the sound when you put it on a needle it's just so different it hits way different um so yeah it's something that I really want to get into more um so I'm like a budding record collector like a baby one but that's that's how you know that you care about it is because you're like very humble also you're like no I like people who are serious collectors like they do xyz and you're like I'm just starting that means you care I think because you respect the whole the whole record collecting situation. Oh yeah, for sure. I really do hope by the time like I have my own house and stuff, I could just have like a wall full of it. Um, but for now, I, I, I'm just kind of like vibing, looking for what I think is cool. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about that. I'm excited I have more time to go out and do things like that. Well, and I heard that you kind of like anything and everything, like you like all types of music, but do you have any favorite records? Favorite records. Um, I just got this Al Green one as a gift. That one was really cool. I have um, I have quite a lot of rock records. Um, like I have the Eagles, uh, Rolling Stones was another gift that I got. Um, I have newer music too. Like oh, now we're talking about music. Now I'm going to get carried away. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I have, I think my all time favorite one is always going to be Etta James because that's the very first one I asked for. And I think I lean more towards that like soulful um, sound. Uh, but yeah, I have a lot, I have new music too. Like I got a Frank Ocean one. That's really, really nice. Um, yeah, I do have a little bit of everything. Oh my gosh. Wait, no. One of my favorite ones is, I don't even know what it says on the cover. I think it's in like Italian, but it's this, uh, I guess you call it jazz. Man, when I'm like cooking up or just cleaning in the kitchen, that record, that record is the first one I put on. See, I'm, I feel like I should be taking notes right now because I have a 16 year old niece who has kind of started her own little record collection. And I always feel like I'm like, man, she's way cooler than me. Like, I don't, <laughs> I don't know. This is like really awesome. And some of the artists you mentioned, she has some of those too, but I'm like, all right, maybe if I bring some of this Intel back, she'll still think I'm cool for a little bit longer. <laughs> how the conversation started with it that's funny yeah exactly because you know my family's very musical too I know you said that about yours like they they really care about it my dad uh, and his side of the family is like four siblings um they had a band growing up but then also on my sister-in-law's side of the family so her mom's side too they also had a band growing up um so so they're like as musical as it gets you know um and they they sing in church like every week as well on top of like you know just some of the fun stuff and jamming out so the holidays are definitely fun yeah yeah I always tell I um did a, a little piece on this for UCLA athletics and I was telling this little story that growing up and even now the way that I knew my family was ready to go if we had like a dinner or something was the house would be quiet because in all of our rooms, we have our speakers and everyone is individually blasting it in their room, whatever. Oh, sorry. Okay. Made it. Um, everyone is individually blasting their songs. And it's like, I go to my parents' room, most likely reggae. I go into my little brother's room, most likely some sort of rap or whatever he has going. My older brother is something completely different. I'm completely different. And when it's all quiet, then I know, okay, it's time to go. So yeah. I, I'm feel like that's very much the vibe of my entire family yes totally totally like I don't I mean at any holiday like I said it's really fun but it's like they they just play or my dad will just pull out the guitar you know and play and I thought that was like totally normal you know I'm like oh yeah everyone probably has that and I realized as I got older like oh I guess that's not you know something everybody has yeah no I, I noticed that too I, I I also think in just kind of like polyculture music is big in general. And I know my church, I would have like the choir. I know you're saying your family is kind of like that too, but 
anytime we're all just gathered in the garage at grandma's house and somebody's got to whip out a guitar or we're playing old Samoan songs and just chilling. So I think it's definitely um, something that's special about families that I, I think that's a bonding thing. For sure. Absolutely. Um, you mentioned grandma's house. That is definitely, definitely what happens with us too. Like Christmas Eve every year, we always go to my grandma and grandpa's house and my grandma sings and she'll just be singing around the house too a lot. My grandpa will play guitar. And it's like, I, anyway, I just can totally relate to everything you're saying about like music being such a big part of it. My dad's side of the family, my grandma specifically, she's Mexican too. And so it's very much a part of that culture as mm-hmm. well. So like totally, totally resonates with me. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's probably one of my favorite memories growing up. Um, I went to a Samoan church and I would say growing up at my grandma's house, I, I spoke a little bit, but I didn't understand a lot, but um, still the same going and hearing the, well, it's called Alphabese, but it's the choir sing, man. And I'm not saying we were like the best, but we were pretty good. And my aunties, they, they're all into that. So and it's always been a huge part of my childhood and something that I really um, enjoy when I think back on. It's funny you mentioned that too, because my, my dad d- doesn't speak Spanish. My grandparents do, they're fluent. My dad doesn't, but he would sing like all of these songs in Spanish and have no idea what he was saying. <laughs> and now he's like started to like, even today he asked me again for like a, the millionth time, but he's like, can you give me like one of those language apps? Can you download it on my phone later? I want to try to get better at it. I'm like, sure, dad. That's cool. That's cute. Yeah, that's funny. It's funny. But okay, so with all of your different tastes in music, how do you then pick like a walk-up song if you have so many that you like? Oh man, this was a process. I am lucky that when I was first choosing my walk-up song, okay, so this is what happened. And I told this story on the UCLA athletics thing too. Okay, I decided I'm gonna go to UCLA. I go, I meet the coaches and I tell them I'm going to UCLA. The first order of business after that was choosing my walk-up songs. Um, so me, my family and I sat around our speaker and we're going through like, Meg, like you got to have something a little different. Like you don't want to pick what everyone else is going to pick. Um, I like old school. I always love old school music and um, especially like funky music. I like getting into that. So I remember, I vividly remember my dad being like, oh, man, like, this is the one, like, just wait. And he starts playing it and it's Fire by Ohio Players. And so if you don't know, the beginning is like, um, like not fire alarms, but like the trucks yep. and stuff like that. And it's such a perfect intro. And he's like, okay, Meg, like, just imagine you're walking out to the mound now. And by the time you throw your first pitch, it's fire. Da, da, <laughs> <laughs> so good yeah it was a whole process but I definitely have had a theory I guess at UCLA because we got to pick one for every inning and I have like a flow to it so we start with the old school kind of like funky like groovy get into it I had um Ohio players Zapp and Roger um I think like Midnight Star maybe Foxy or something and so they're all going that's funky and then you kind of get to the later innings the later innings, you really got to like bear down on that. So then it starts getting into, I think I had a, a rapper from Oceanside. So I had a shout out my hometown and okay. then his name is Desi Hollow. And then um, got into Ice Cube and Grills by Nelly, I think was my last one. So you can, I, I feel like you could like see my thought process as we're going through it. And in the bottom of the seventh inning, hearing like Grills by Nelly, I would just be like, oh, it's go time. So that, that was my whole theory. Now here I just use um, Fire by Ohio Players. I think that's going to be my forever walk-up song. I love that song. It's such a good one. Your dad's right. It, it's such a good <laughs> one. And it's funny because that is the my dad's favorite type of music. He likes all kinds of music too, but it, if he had to choose, it's funk. So like right when you said it, I was like, yep, I know what it is. Um, <laughs> and I think his favorite song is Flashlight. I don't know if you've oh, heard yeah. that. So, yeah, that's his. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's it's like his ringtone, all that stuff, you know. But yes, I that makes me think of actually my family too, like that kind of era of music. But I like that you go on this like journey too throughout the game. I like how thoughtful you are about it. Oh yeah. Maybe a little too thoughtful, but it helps me when I'm pitching. So <laughs> <laughs> and have you thought more about hitting? 
Like, obviously you did it in college. I remember even asking Kelly and she was like, I mean, I need her to pitch. She wants to do everything, but like, you know, I need her to pitch. But what do you think about it now that you're a pro? Yeah, it has been another journey that I am on. Um, I think that I really started to love being just a pitcher. That's what I am most passionate about and something I love to learn. But I do think that I want to expand and be like, I never truly felt like a hitter hitter. That one season that I did hit for UCLA, that was like a very much Megs, we need you. Like we, I think we had a couple of injuries um, and a couple of Bruins go down. So I was like, Hey, whatever the team needs me to do. Um, I do like hitting, but hitting is very frustrating. Hitting is a very different kind of frustration than pitching. Um, but as I've been here, they've been so helpful. Every single team captain has let me hit if I want to hit um, like BP and stuff. Obviously you have to earn your spot anywhere you go, um, but just getting the reps and especially seeing uh, live off of, like the BP pitchers has been really helpful. And it's something I definitely am wanting to train more. I just don't know that I always think it, I know it works a little different here with the point system, but my biggest thing is I don't want to put any of my teammates down like points wise. If I go in there and I don't get it done, like I'll bet on myself every time. But if we're talking about people's points and people's money, like, I don't know. Yeah. So I just want a little bit more time to train um, on it. And then, yeah, like potentially I could definitely see myself hitting. I want to hit. Yeah. Well, yeah, I remember, I think, was it the 2022 season where you were hitting a little bit? Um, one of the fastest balls I've ever seen leave the yard. The one where, well, the one, there's probably more than one, but the one where it like just hit your scoreboard uh, at UCLA. Oh, yeah. And it was like two seconds, maybe. I don't even know if it was two seconds. It was so fast, but I was like, well, you know, makes sense. She's got the power in the circle. Here it is, you know, <laughs> when she gets a chance to hit. <laughs> yeah, you know, what's so funny is I think that Char, Charlize was catching that game and we talk about it all the time when she came to UCLA she's like oh man yeah that was a good hit but man <laughs> <laughs> still haunts her <laughs> maybe but that like see I love hitting when hitting does that for me love it yeah. do it all day <laughs> we all do right that's those are the things yeah if we could do that that's awesome <laughs> but yeah I mean yeah you obviously have um some experience with Charlize too, like outside of just college. Um, but to have like some of these folks in college that you played against like her and Janelle, and then you have like Brooke who came in from, and Rachel from Oregon too. Like, what was that experience? Like kind of, you're like, wow, this is like a lot of PAC 12, like greatness that are, are in one place. Yeah. No, it was the best. It was so awesome. I just overall my last year, I think that was again, the ending I think did not reflect the kind of year that we had not only performance wise, but as a family, really it, that team was amazing. And especially those transfers were a huge part of our culture. Um, and I'm forever grateful to have built those relationships with all of them. Um, as softball players, I still, to this day, as Brooke Yashi does her drop ball, I cannot understand it. I really want to get it, but I can't. And she's been helpful. Um, picking Char's mind, talking with Rach and Nellie, like it, it was honestly such a blessing, especially in my last year. I, I think, um, I don't know, they were all godsends, um, really enjoyed their company and getting to know them. And it, yeah, it really helps that they're freaking beasts on the field. Well, that's impressive though. Like the culture piece that you're talking about, like to, especially it was like your last year, for example, and for some of them too, like for Brooke, you know, and others. It's like for them to come from different experiences and not only fit in, but maybe help mold what the team was this year. Like that is really impressive. And the, all of you for, for allowing that almost like to, for being open to that happening is that's easier said than done. Yeah, I agree. And I think I just point back to our leadership with coach I and, and the whole coaching staff really is if you look at our team, I, we have to be, one of the most diverse teams, if not on UCLA's campus, then like, or in NCAA softball, like it there, you have people from all different kinds of backgrounds. And that's something that the, is the first thing coach I tells us is we need to like appreciate and respect. Everybody has had a different childhood, a different upbringing, um, obviously different ethnic ethnicities and things like that. So just from the jump, it's a very welcoming uh, culture which is really cool to be 
paired with, again, like the high standards of being literally UCLA softball. Um, and I think it just creates a really special environment. Because that's hard to do, to be like elite and still inclusive, you know, like those things are hard to do, but actually the more inclusive you are probably helps you be more elite, right? So it makes sense at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Well, I'd keep talking to you forever. I'm like, (laughs) I'm down for it. But I know that you, again, we talked about you're a busy woman, so... um, (laughs) I will let you go soon. Um, to wrap up, I do a game with everybody that comes on the show and it's it's called Safer Out. Okay. And um, basically like I'll bring up a topic and if you like it or you agree with it, you call it safe. If you don't like it or you don't agree with it, you call it out. Okay. It's like a, like a fast, like. Yeah. I mean, you can explain your answer afterwards. Yeah. Okay. But like gut, gut reaction. Gotcha. Um, but you can definitely explain. Okay. So the first one is the no leaping pitching rule in college. Safer out. was such a hard one. (laughs) This is tough because I I have a little tiny, teeny, tiny baby crow hop. I want to say out. I low key want to say out because it's, it's different. Like it, it's a real advantage in college balls. I'm just going to say out. I'm not going to, I'm just going to say out. (laughs) Well, honestly, I think most people are with you, especially pitcher. I had Kenzie Fowler on the show, for example, and she, I don't know if you remember this, but now, oh my gosh, must've been 10 years ago uh, or something like that. In the world series though, she had, hadn't been called much all year for it. And then was called like one after the other. And she was like, I have strong opinions about this. So I think most pitchers feel that way. Yeah. I think that's where it gets a little muddy. It's not like, for me, it's not so much the hop or no hop. It's calling the hop or no hop consistently that's I think where it gets a little kind of a little sticky but. yeah no it's fair I mean we all want consistency right yeah. ideally umpire we would like consistent umpires in general it's always good all right that was the first one. Second one is NIL mm-hmm. safer out oh safe yeah safe. what was your experience like with it though as someone who actually had it you know like had that during your experience once I got the hang of it and I, I don't have a lot of, or I didn't have a lot of NIL deals. Um, once I got the hang of it, it was easy, but I will say I'm very much a person that I just want to play softball, but like, man, struggling college student is so real. It's so real. So I needed to make money, but that's kind of what led me to get an agent is I just like the paperwork, the logistics, let me if I'm going to be the talent, like, let me just be the talent. I really need help reading through these documents, understanding how much I'm worth or like how much to ask for and what's too much. Like, man, 10,000 posts on my feed is a little bit too much to be asking for, especially during season. So um, yeah, I am definitely safe because I think it's a good opportunity for students to make money and I think they deserve it. Um, And that's all I'll say about that. Yeah. Yeah. Does it feel like it was a taste for pro too? Like you're like, okay, I'm getting a little sense of like the business side of this. Maybe a little bit. Um, I don't know. I just also like coming in as a freshman. I remember having this conversation with the other freshmen. We're like, how come we're not getting paid for this? Like, it's always kind of been like a little conversation with us. Um, I don't think I thought of it as being a pro. I just thought finally, like we're, we're getting something for the work that we're putting in. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Okay. That was the second one. Last one is bat flips safer out. This one gets me. This one truly gets me. I think safe because, but it has to be like a certain kind of, and I say that because I, everybody knows that I do the fist pump thing. Sure. Like, yeah, for me, I was very insecure about that for a really long time. Cause I don't like, I don't, mean to do it it literally just like comes out of me and I'm like I'm also not gonna be that guy that stops myself from wearing my heart on my sleeve on the field right I think there's I do think there's a difference though in kinds of bat flips where it's like it's not about your passion for the game it's about unsportsmanlike yeah that one I don't know if I could get it down with um but yeah I mean if it's somebody like being fired up I'm living for that but if it's somebody just kind of, I don't know, again, unsportsmanlike, then it's kind of like that already. You can tell the difference too. 
Like, I, I agree with that. You can tell when someone's just like so fired up for their team or for like in your case, right? Like you and your catcher so fired up or, you know, whatever versus like, I'm trying to look cool, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Like, very much a sticky little bit of muddy area, but I'm going a, I'm to a say safe. Yeah. Well, I mean, I obviously gave you all the hard ones, so you yeah. nailed yeah. it though. <laughs> you nailed it. Well, thank you again um, for coming on. This was great. This was fun. I I wish you all the best too as your pro career continues. It's just getting started. And obviously with USA as well, I got a lot ahead of you. Yeah, thank you so much. I really appreciate you. And man, love the questions. I love talking about the stuff that we talked about. So thank you for that. Good. I'm glad. That's the point. It's to have a good time. So I'm glad. <laughs> cool. It's great chatting with Megan. You know, I cover a lot of players. It's one of my favorite things. And any chance that I get the opportunity to get to know them as more than just players and really as people, I think is really fun. And one thing that I'm bummed I forgot to ask her about was her hair. Because, you know, I asked Kelly I what product she uses when she came on because we all know she has the best ponytail in the game. We see this every single year on our TVs. She didn't give up the info. And Megan also has like this beautiful long braid and I wanted to ask her. So I guess I'll have to save that for next time. But with that, let's transition to the foul tip of the week. This week's foul tip is about failure recovery. This is what Megan talked about, and I really liked how she framed it. So I just want to reinforce it because in our sport, we talk about having short-term memory and being able to move on quickly when something doesn't go right. Obviously, this is important in a game of failure. It's very obvious why that's the case. But what I like about the term and the way it's framed with failure recovery is that it's not afraid to just call out the failure. Because I think sometimes we'll frame things like, you know, you never fail because you learn something. And I do like the concept of always trying to get the most out of a situation, of course, especially if it's not ideal. But in a way, I think sometimes when we say that, we're kind of avoiding failure and maybe making it feel a little bit more taboo. But just calling it what it is, failure recovery, I think it makes failure feel a little less scary, especially when we know like, oh, everyone's dealing with failure recovery. So I really do believe the ones who are best at failure recovery are the most successful. I think we see that play out every softball season. In college, the way OU recovered from losing to Baylor in the preseason this year and just absolutely dominated the rest of the season. The way Team USA won gold at the World Games last year after capturing silver again at the Olympics. The way pro pitchers like Megan, like Rachel Garcia, turned the page after giving up a home run. Like elite softball is just a good example of this because it's not about never failing. It's about knowing how to recover quickly and effectively. And when I'm calling games, I often point out when someone makes a productive out, let's say at the plate, a sack fly, you know, you score a run, sack bunt, you move the runner over, even a ground ball to the right side that may bring in a run or move some runners. The out itself may be a failure on paper, but the effect that it can have can be positive if we make it productive. So all that to say, how we frame things is important. Keep it positive, but keep it real. That's it. Work on failure recovery. That's the foul tip of the week. You've been listening to Believe in Softball, part of Believe Network and presented by Bet Online. The show is available anywhere you get your podcasts, wherever you listen, including Believe.com and YouTube too. Subscribe to the show, rate the show, and if you liked it, write a review for it. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Believe in Softball. Again, that's B-L-E-A-V. You can reach out to me personally on Twitter at JennaBacera01 and Instagram at JennaBacera as well. As always, thanks for tuning in and catch you soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.